Praise God. I want to share with you what I believe God is speaking, especially to me and to us in Zambia, and I believe in the body of Christ. And I'm sure the word of God is a blessing to every generation. And I believe the word of God, the Bible, is the culture for everyone. I'm not worried because there are so many excuses. This is the white culture. This is the black culture. Yes, those things are there, and we appreciate them. But for me, I believe in the kingdom culture. And that kingdom culture is found in the word of God. I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. I will not tell you the verse first. I will be speaking from there, but I want to draw your attention to something that we use every day in our lives. One of the profound knowledges of the Word of God in the Bible is that it is described as a mirror. The Word of God is the mirror of God. And I appreciate so much my wife, Brenda, Every time in her bag, she moves with a mirror. And I know many ladies, probably not here because the goodness of this place is every bathroom or toilet you go into, you find mirrors. But I'm sure ladies in their bags carry small mirrors. And the fact is that every time they want to look at their faces and clean themselves up. And even as we enter the bathrooms, always, in front of us is always the mirror. After whatever we do, we have come to eat and see ourselves. So that is the natural mirror. But we have this spiritual mirror from God, the Word of God, which is able to show us our spiritual condition. The Word of God as a mirror is, is able to show us where we are dirty and where we are clean. It is able to show us our position before God. What God is thinking about us and what he requires us to do. We see all this in the mirror of God. That's why I love the word of God. I love to read it because out of there we can be able to get our destiny, our future, and all that God has purposed us to do. You know, it's amazing in 1 Samuel chapter 16, Samuel is told to go and anoint a king. And the Bible says when he entered Jesse's house, the first person he saw was Eliab, handsome, tall, good man. And in his heart, not using God's mirrors, but his heart, he says, this is the anointed one. It's fascinating. God says, no, I have rejected him. And God clearly states a principle for us there. He says, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the inside. So the mirror of God helps us to look into the inside and will show us clearly what is in our inside. So as we are going to look into this mirror, God is going to reveal to us what I have called relational influence. What is the result of this relationship 
that we have with God. And if you are on Exodus 19, please, let's begin from verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are going to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are going to tell the people of Israel. Verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. I want you to note that sentence. And brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole world is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Brothers and sisters, these words are still as fresh as they can be for us today. If we look at the thing that God is telling the Israelites, these are the things he's telling us today. Now, what captures my attention is verse 4. If I'm looking at redemptive purposes of God, his influence in our lives. In verse 4, he says, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. The first purpose for our redemption is a deep relationship with God himself. He says, I brought you to myself. That is the first thing for our lives. The primary thing for our Christianity is God bringing us to himself. Now the question we need to ask ourselves is, why does God bring us to, him, to, our, to himself? And in this sermon, I'll be using probably the three or four Ps. Number one, when God is revealing himself to us, he is revealing his personality. In his influence to us, in his relationship to us, God reveals his personality. You cannot save anyone you don't know. That's the whole key. See, even when Tim is speaking about the Zimbabwe situation, if you have never been there, you can imagine only. And maybe in the passing by. But because I have been there, two months ago I was in Zimbabwe, Bluawayo. I know what is happening. You see, we can give Zimbabwean money to people. They will have money, they will have millions. But the question is, where are they going to buy food? There's no food. There's nothing in the shops. It's all empty. I don't know where that man got his economics. He told all those shop retailers to reduce everything with a command. And everyone reduced. And all the people rushed in the shops and bought everything. Now the problem was the retailers, how do they buy from manufacturers? Nothing, and he has put the economy down. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is that if you don't have a relationship or if you don't see it, 
it becomes very difficult to save. So that's why God, the first thing he does in our lives is he reveals himself to us. He calls us to himself in order to reveal his personality to us. And brothers and sisters, when we look at God's personality, we are talking about the nature and the character of God. If we understand the nature and the character of God, we will be able to trust him. If we can understand his forgiveness, if we can understand his love, if we can understand his caring for us, if we can understand his provision and protection, then we can save him. Because we understand him. When God is speaking to us, when God is bringing himself to us, and when he brings us to himself, there are two things we need to note from his personality. He's not only speaking about you, but God is also speaking about himself. Now, each time we pray, each time we read the word of God, let's discover the personality of God. Let's discover the nature and the character of God. It has worked to me in my life and in my ministry with my wife. We have passed through difficulties, but once we have understood the nature and the character of God, we have soldiered on. Because we know He's a wonderful God. We know He's a loving God. We know He's a powerful God. We know he's a caring God. So when he says, you know how I carried you on the eagle's wings and brought you to myself. This is what God has done. He has carried us himself, you and me, just as he did for the Israelites. And he has brought us to himself. So that with that relationship, he can reveal his personality to us. A loving God, a caring God, a protecting God. God who has given us wisdom. God who has blessed these nations so much. God who is protecting us. God who has given us the wisdom to do what we do and to enjoy what we have. God who is never selfish. If you understand his character and his nature, even giving you will give. Because you know to whom you are giving. He's a faithful God. That's the first thing we need to understand. And that's the first thing I, need us to I needed to share with you this morning. The first P in an influential relationship is knowing God's personality. Paul was able to say, I want to know him. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Even the suffering and the fellowship together with him. Any relationship where we don't know each other does not work. I'm a marriage counselor. And I've counseled many marriages. The first thing I tell the couple is, the new couple is, you need to know each other. 
you need to know the interest of the other person. One thing I've discovered through marriage is you find that these people love each other, but they have different interests. One is saying, me, I don't want kids. I don't want to have children. But the other one is saying, I need kids. Now, if they don't talk about it, they will pretend, they will come together. In the end, those interests will crash, and they will no longer be together. This is what we need to know. We need to know our God intimately. We need to understand him. We need to understand why he's doing these things. Is he there to harm us? In his nature, in his character, is God able to harm me? If you understand these things, it is easy to save him. Because you know. But if you don't understand God's personality, it becomes very difficult. So the first thing why God has redeemed you is to bring you to himself. And when he brings you to himself, he wants to reveal his character, his personality to you so that you can trust him. Number two, you look at verse five. Verse five, he says, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you'll be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a king of priests and a holy nation. Look at that wonderful picture. Look at it. God is not only interested in his revealing his personality to us, but he's also interested in revealing his purposes to us. Says, if you obey me, look, because I cannot entrust my purposes to you when you don't obey me, when you don't know me. But out of that relationship which we have and your obedience, then you will be mine, my treasured possession, special people. I'm glad some of you in the West here are rich and you have got possessions. Some people have got diamonds. Some people have got emeralds. These are precious things in their lives, even in your homes. You might not have these things, but there are certain things that you hold so special. I remember my late mother showed me a small pot which was very special to her because it was given to her by her mother. So this was special to her. She kept it. She didn't like anyone to play with it. And this is what God is saying. If you obey me, you will be my special people, my treasured possession. And because you are my treasured possession, then I can share you with you my purposes. God cannot share his purposes to somebody who is not committed, to somebody who has no relationship. You can't. All the secrets that I have, everything special that I have, I share it with my wife, Brenda, because we have a special relationship. 
the same thing. If we have that intimate relationship and we understand God's personality and his nature and character and we come to him in obedience, he will always show us his purposes for our lives. All of us seated in this place today, we have a place in God's sight. All of us are special. I love that line which Tim just said. He has entered deep down our hearts with our weaknesses, with our sin, with our laziness, with our non-commitment, but he still loves us because we are special for him. <coughs> Let no one cheat you. You are special. And because you are special, God is ready to share his secrets, his purposes with you. Look, look at that expression. Let this be fresh into your life. Let it be a rhema word today. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. And Peter makes it clear. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 9, he says, you are the priesthood of God. You are the holy nation. If they are people who are holy on earth, it is us. It's not through our works. No, but it's through what God has done. It's through because we obeyed, we heard his call, and we have a relationship with him. So he's working holiness in our lives. And that's why we are special. God cannot reveal his purposes to sinners. It doesn't work. So like I was discussing with Tim yesterday, I said, some of our governments, there's a sinner who is working in a certain office and you think there will be righteousness. It won't. That's not his nature. God can only show his purposes to his children because he trusts us. He shows us his personality and he shows us his purposes. Think in your life, what is God calling you to? What purpose do you have in life? For God. Now, sometimes I'm a man, who, my entire life is in the church. I was once a secondary school teacher, I left it and I came into the church. I've raised the churches from nothing and many people. But I've discovered this. Sometimes we are lazy in the church. Very lazy because we don't understand the purposes of God in our lives. When a church is like this, many of us blame pastors. I've been blamed home. Why is this church not growing? Why is this church, there's no revival? Now listen to me. If only you can understand God's purpose for your life, maybe you are the one who can initiate a revival. Because if you read the history of revival, it did not begin with groups. It began with one person who was committed, who understood the purposes of God in his or her life. And revival started. Look at an old lady in the book of Luke. 
Anna. 84 years, the Bible says. She was not missing from the temple. 84 years. The Bible says she was fasting seven days. Every time she was a widow, she had all the excuses to make, like we make today. But she understood the purposes of God in her life. She was waiting to see the Messiah, and bang, a day came. And when that day came, she held the Messiah in her hands. Say, this is what I've been waiting for. Think of Simon. He says, Lord, now your servant can go in peace because I have seen this. Why? Those are men and women who understood the purposes of God for their lives. They did not do things because they were in a group, but they did things because God spoke to them. Brethren, let me assure you, if there is one man, one lady in this church who will be touched by God's revival in your life, and you begin to walk in the purposes of God, revival is contagious. It will touch many people. But if as a church we are waiting, no, we are waiting for wind from outside to touch all of us. We will wait for a million years and nothing will happen. But it begins with one person understanding the purposes of God. Now you may wonder, why do I go with Brenda? In these rural areas, walking, my shoes are bent already. Why? Because God has touched my life. And I know that in towns alone, it's not enough, but there are people down there in the deep rural where I go with my wife and my team. We can be on the bus for two days. The next day we shall be walking and reach by six o'clock. At night we start meetings. And that's where I have seen more miracles than people who are seated. I may be strong on this one, but I want to tell you the truth. I've never read where a miracle says you sit down and the miracles will come. I've never read that in the Bible. But I've read where it says signs and wonders will follow. Are you listening to me? Signs and wonders will do what? Follow. They will follow you where you go. Do you want to see signs and wonders? Do you want to see miracles begin to operate in the purpose that God has given you? And you begin to see signs and wonders following you. You begin to see revival. You begin to see growth in your life because God is touching you. Do you want to evangelize? You sit down and say, okay, I'm evangelizing, I'm evangelizing, and you are doing nothing. Nothing will happen. But as you begin to do it, you may be disappointed by the first approach, second approach, or even third approach. But the fourth approach, God will honor you. And something will begin to happen. So God does not only call us in this relationship to reveal his personality to us, but he calls us to reveal his purposes for our lives so that we can walk in those purposes. <coughs> I want to tell you something that I've learned recently, which God has dealt with me. When God speaks something in your life, or when God shows something, he is showing you something that is already completed according to him. 
It's already finished. For you, it is your point of start. But for God, it's already completed. I'll give you examples. When God was speaking to Moses, he says, I want you to deliver my people. According to God's purpose, it was already done. But Moses was simply coming in into the purposes of God. So brethren, whatever God's purpose, whatever God has said into your life, don't be afraid. It's already finished. If you obey and follow, of course, it doesn't mean there will be no problems. Problems will be there, but those will help you to accomplish God's purposes. Moses brings all the people, but comes to the sea. A big problem. According to Moses and the people, they say we are finished. But according to God, they are already in the promised land. And the miracle happens there. Jesus sends his disciples on the sea. And he says, we are going to cross over. According to God, it's already finished. They will be over. But the problems are there. Storms will be there. And these storms come and shake the boat and so on. But because Jesus said it, it's already done. So whatever God has said in your life, it's already done if you obey it. That's why he says, if you obey me, the key is obedience. Once we obey, we see the purposes of God. I have seen people have obeyed in giving. They have given their best. And because God has already said, they have got even the best or best than they had. So God brings us to himself, number one, to reveal his personality, which is his character, his nature. Number two is to reveal his purposes in our lives. And the third one, the third P, to review his power. Go with me, the New Testament, Matthew's chapter 4. Matthew's chapter 4. Ooh. Matthew's chapter 4. And verse 18. I love this. 18 and 19. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. How does God reveal his power to us? Simple obedience. This story shows us simple obedience. Jesus didn't need to advertise. Because today, if there is a speaker coming anywhere on the television, I've seen it, there's advertisements. He has healed many people in China. He has done all these things. He does all these things for people to be enticed to come. 
But God is looking for childlike obedience in our lives. He simply said to Peter, come. Think of it today. If Tim said, come, for us today, we would have a lot of questions. Where, Tim? What for? What time? What do you want us to do? That's it, what's happened. I have been going in the UK throughout different churches. And one of the things I've discovered is in the Western, it's difficult. Because back home, I can say today, brothers, we are meeting at 16 hours for prayer. And the whole church will turn up. But here, hmm. did you notify us? Where's the notes? Oh, time. This and this. Anyway, but here, God is looking for simple obedience. He simply says, come. Don't ask questions. Come. That means there is faith involved. That means because you know me, there is that relationship. I am not taking you to a bad place. I am not wasting your time because you know me. He says, come. I don't know, I don't want to tell you where I'm going or where I'm taking you, but I just want you to come. And when you come, I know what will happen. I will make you fishers of men. Come as we are before God and he will make us. Now, his power will make us. When God is calling us, he's revealing his power to make us. Make us. And these guys, these people, didn't even argue. They left. You know, God does not only show his power when he's calling us. In his calling, there's provision. He provides for us. I won't read this one, but you can read it home. In Luke chapter 5, there's a good story of Peter. The same Peter. Peter was a great fisherman. That was his livelihood. That was his profession. Today, probably he could have a degree, or he could have been a professor. Professor of fish, whatever. He knew... But a day came in his life when he fished the whole night. And the Bible says he caught nothing. Now listen to me, brothers and sisters. Anything we do without God will catch nothing. Nothing. We may think we have caught anything, but it will live with us for a short time. Now, Peter finished his business in the morning and the Bible says he was washing his nets together with other people, ready to go home. In his mind he was saying, what am I going to say to my wife? Every time I've been bringing fish, but today is another day. And the wife at home was ready. She knew if it was in the African context, she had even washed the pots already, waiting for fish. All his customers, 
They were waiting. They knew because Peter was bringing fish. So all that crowded Peter. He had nothing. Then Jesus comes. I think this should bless you, brothers, in the Western. Jesus comes. And he says, Peter, may I use your boat? Now, if it was here, the first thing is to look at the what? The watch. Hmm. I am already late for a pizza. Hmm. I'm, I'm supposed to be collecting my children, putting them to bed. Hmm. I'm supposed to be going for my over. Hmm. The driving, the highway. Those were could have been the excuses. And in those excuses, we miss the purposes of God. I'm not saying it is bad, but the balance is important. Peter says, okay. And listen to this. He did not only give him his boat. And Jesus further asks and says, can you just push me a bit? That means Peter has to be in that boat. That makes it even worse. I have seen in the Western here, once you preach more than 40 minutes, people start looking at their watches and they even get out. Now here's Peter who's going to sit down and waiting for Jesus to speak. God helped him. He sat down in the boat and Jesus finished. He never even looked at Peter. He did all his business. Now here comes the good news. To see in God's power how he provides for us. After he finished his business, Jesus now turns to Peter. And he says, Peter, can you cast your nets? I love that. Peter, cast your nets. In other words, you have been sweating the whole night. You have been sweating the whole time. And you have got nothing. Maybe in your life you have been praying and waiting for this thing. Nothing has come up. But a time is coming when God says, cast your net. Depend upon me. Not on your skills. Not on your experience. I know, Peter, you're a fisherman. I know during the day in the lake of Galilee you can catch nothing. But cast your nets. And Peter tries to come with his excuses. Yes, sir. We have worked the whole night. And we have caught nothing. Then the revelation of God helps him. But at your word. That's the whole key. I will obey you. I will obey you at your word. And that is what God was saying. If you obey me, I will make you. Peter obeys Jesus. And he casts his net. All of us have been reading that story. In Peter's life, he had never caught so much fish as that day. Because of his giving his time, giving his resources, giving his energy to Jesus, Peter was blessed. Peter saw the provision of God. The same thing should not be read as stories. This is how I preach home, not as stories. It must be a reality in our lives. We have seen some of these things. We have seen God provide. Where we had nothing, God has provided. If only we obey him. 
He's revealing his personality to us. His character, his nature. He's a faithful God, wonderful God, a caring God. He's revealing his purposes to us if we obey him. Each one of us is worthy in his hands. Precious. He's revealing his power to us to make us. Make us. And in that power, he's ready to provide for us. The key is obedience and relationship with him. Can we stand up, please? I want to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that you have brought us to yourself. We are not human doings, but we are human beings. You desire relationship with us, O oh God. And in that intimacy, you show us your personality. You show us your purposes. You show us your power and provision. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that each one seated here, to you, O oh Lord, according to your mirror, we are so special. Special possessions. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of God, the revival of God, shall touch each and every one of us that we shall be able to do the purposes of God. Father, open the eyes that are blind. Open the hearts that are insensitive to the call of God. That, Lord, we may move in your purposes. And I thank you, Lord, for each one of us. And I thank you for this nation. Thank you for everything you have provided. Lord, my prayer, let these things move people closer to you, honoring you as God. And I thank you, Father, for this church, the living word. I thank you, Lord. May your word be fulfilled in this place. May you awaken your people to your call and to your purposes. And Lord, provide, just as you provided for Peter, provide for this church. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Spirit of God. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Spirit of God. Spirit of the loving Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you today. Ah, show your power. Show your power. Show your power. Show your power, Lord, in our lives. Show your power. Show your power, Lord, as you touch each one of us and change us, Lord, from our old perspective into that which you are calling us, each one of us, to see our value in you, O oh God, treasured possessions. Father, I thank you. I bless you. Thank you. Oh, Lord, have your way right now. I don't know what you want to do, but have your way. Have your way. 
have your way in this group, oh God. Be real, oh God. Reveal your personality, your purposes, your power, and your provision to your people, Lord. I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Help us to have that fresh touch. Help us to renew our relationship with you, Lord. <laughs> 